Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the message today. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit lhachurch.com. It's good to see you today in the house of the Lord. I do want to mention to you that on March the 17th, uh, Greg Mundus, who is our Executive Director of Missions for the Assemblies of God, he is the individual you saw in the video. He will be with us for our missions convention on March the 17th. I have probably never been so encouraged and uh, challenged towards missions as I have been the times that I've heard Greg Mundus speak. And you are going to be blessed by the Word of God, and you're going to be blessed uh, to hear the things that God is doing around the world. You know, often we, because we live in a world today that is troubled and we live in a nation today that is filled with lots of strife and trouble, we don't often hear what God is doing. And I want to tell you today, God is at work all around the world today. Men and women every single day are coming to know Jesus Christ, and we're believing for the greatest revival of all time as men and women come to know Jesus Christ, because how many know Jesus is coming soon? So what we're going to do, we've got to do it, and I believe that God is going to continue to do his work. At, uh, this morning, Zach Gidcom, Zach and Lauren are here with us as much as they can be. They are out doing evangelism work and speaking as evangelists throughout the district, and the district has them out a lot. And so the few weeks that they're able to be here with us, we like to spend time together with them, and I want to give him an opportunity to share the word. And so if you'll come, my friend, and uh, open your hearts, open your Bibles, and allow the word to touch your life today. Good morning. It's a little windy out there this morning, isn't it? I am so thankful for the opportunity. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You know, I love what we get to do. We get to go places and do things for the kingdom of God. One of the things we get to do is, is we get to go and we get to share Jesus. I love it. Over the last year in 2018, when we were out evangelizing, we saw over 75 people give their life to Christ, either saved for the first time or totally rededicated. We saw over 50 filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit through the evidence of speaking in tongues. It's incredible what God does when you're open and willing to be used by him. Since we were last here, last year, last year, and spoke, a lot of a lot has changed in my life. Uh, my wife and I, our family grew by four feet. We uh, were we became foster parents to two amazing kids. Uh, that's why my wife is not in here with me this morning. They're back in kids' church, and they're just enjoying their time in there. They're one and two. Um, so that's why my wife is with them, and they're not in kids' church by themselves. Uh, they are one and two. They are two of the most incredible kids I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. They uh, are smart. They're spunky. They've got a mind of their own. And they are just at that stage in life. They were, they were fairly neglected. So the speech is just now becoming part of their world. And it's amazing what they do. The other day, my daughter, she was sitting and she put her hands like this. And she said, Mama, Dada, Papa, uh-huh. And uh-huh is amen. I love my kids, and I could talk about them all day long, but I've got to keep it short. If you'd like to meet them after service, you can meet them. But due to them being foster parent or foster kids, uh, there's some technicality things that we can't bring them up on stage. Um, so if you want to meet them, we'll kind of be in the lobby. You can hang out with us for a little bit afterwards. I do want to ask you to please continue to pray for us. Um, we've had some issue with their biological parents um, and causing some issue in some meetings and some, uh, some surgeries and some things that they've had. So please continue to pray for us as we move through all of that. As I prepared this week and as I prayed and, and asked God what he wanted me to talk about, he kept bringing me to this phrase uh, of the appointed time. And it kept bringing me to this, the, the, the life's a journey. 
And he's taking us to a place of perfection. But there's a journey in between. There's a moment in between when we have to learn who he is and who we are. I love worship this morning. It was exactly what God's been speaking to me all week. I want to read a scripture in, um, let me make sure. I love myself sometimes. Sometimes I get my notes all out of order. There that is. That's what happens when you read over it this morning. In Habakkuk chapter 2. Verses 2 through 3 read like this. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on the tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, but it will surely come, it will not tarry. This scripture is used a lot of times from pastors and church leaders to prepare for a new ministry. Write the vision out. Make it plain for the people to see. But what I've I've studied and and a little bit of understanding, it's not talking about a specific ministry or a specific church. He's talking about the vision for the future of your life. And there's a time coming, an appointed time coming when everything will be made known. When everything will be made known. And that's the day that we get to see him. That's the day that we get to see him. But there's times in between. There's times in between. Where we have to know who he is and know who we are. There's a time coming. When what you thought was dead. Will come back into play. There's a time coming when what you thought was gone will come back into play. Today I've come to remind you that there is a time coming. An appointed time is coming. And though you have waited and it seemed like all has gone. It seemed like all is gone. And you have been left to wait for your appointed time. It's coming. It's coming nigh. Our journey will not complete until we either take our last breath here on earth or are taken away with him to heaven. But there's times in between when you need a little, as I call it, a win. You need a little encouragement in life. My wife and I, well, more myself than her, she tolerates. But I like to listen to Dave Ramsey when I'm driving. He keeps me awake sometimes. Somehow he keeps me awake. But he has these baby steps to get out of debt. And one of the baby steps is called the debt snowball. And he takes his debt snowball and he says, here's what you do. You write down your debt smallest to largest. And you take everything you have and you throw it at that first debt. And you pay minimum payments on the rest. Now, this is financial understanding. That's not what I'm preaching on. This is just kind of a free side note. So you take your debt, you write it on small stars, you take everything you have, you throw it at that first debt. And after you throw it at the first debt, you throw everything you have, and once it's paid off, you take that payment, roll it into the next payment, and you pay double on that payment, and you throw everything you have at it, and so on and so forth, until all your debt's paid off. Woohoo! That's a cool moment. And, and the mathematicians and the economists, and, and they've come after him and said, listen... You need to pay off the highest interest rate first. That's what's taking care of you. He says, "Uh, listen, listen. Dave says this. You have to have a win to gain traction for the hardest part of the journey. You have to have a win to gain traction so you can say, okay, I can do this. I can get through this. I can get through whatever's going on. I can get through the drudgery of a, of a school payment, which can be astronomical sometimes. I can get through that because I had those wins back there. I know I can do it. It's the same thing in our lives. We have to be able to gain traction. Looking back at Habakkuk, he was saying he was questioning God. Why is there all this evil in the world? Why is there all of these problems? And God gives him this answer, write it down. Write the vision down, make it plain. 
so that those who are running can see it. And even if it waits, you wait and see what I will do. I believe with all my heart that everything that God does, he does for his glory. Not mine. Not yours. Sorry, I love you, but not yours. And it's not mine. He does it for his glory. Then the Lord, this is Exodus 14, then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Phi-ha-haroth. I looked that up on how to say it. Because there are some of them words in the Old Testament that my brain has a hard time figuring out. Google is my friend. Between Migdal and the sea, camp there along the shore, across from Baal-zephon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. And I have planned it. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a bad dude. He was a bad dude. You see, when even God gave him the option to just let the people go, just let them go. The Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It wasn't Pharaoh that hardened his own heart. God hardened Pharaoh's heart so he could display his glory through him. You see, even though there are times in your life that things may not go your way, even though there are times in your life that people may stop you from doing what you think you should be doing, understand that when you do get through, it's going to be for God's glory and not for mine. Not for mine. I will display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. Our journey of life, no matter the place we find ourselves, we can see God's glory revealed to us. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, now the Amplified reads like this, and I like this. I like the Amplified because it, amplifies it it makes it plain for me to see though the fig tree does not blossom and there is no fruit on the vines though the yield of the olive fails and the fields produce no food though the flock is cut off from the fold and there are no cattle in the stalls yet i will choose to rejoice in the lord I will choose to shout in exultation in the victorious God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, my source of courage, my invincible army. I love that. My invincible army. He has made my feet steady and sure like hinds feet and makes me walk forward with spiritual confidence and high places of challenge and responsibility. You see that when God takes you somewhere, it's not going to be all unicorns and rainbows it just there may be times in life that it's unicorns and rainbows and lily fields and pretty colors but then there are times in life that it's challenge and it's responsibility but understand that even in that time he's got you he's causing your feet to be sure as you step in the high places and in the low places Habakkuk is singing a song of praise about God's answer to his question. In these last three verses, it shows us what we are to do when the journey seems stuck. These things represent the necessities in our life. Food. Livelihood. Finances. These, three, these things, the fig tree does not blossom. There may not be many pretty colors at times. There's no fruit on the vines. There's no food to eat. The olive fails the finances and the field produces no food. All these things represent things in our lives. God knew exactly today what you would be dealing with. He knew exactly what you would come in this room with today. You may be struggling with financial issues. Choose 
to rejoice in the Lord over your finances. Let me give you a side note here. If you're struggling in your finances, tithe. Write that check out as soon as your payment comes in and put that bad boy in the offering. If you want to go a step further, do it cheerfully. Write that bad boy, put a smile on your face and put it in. If you're struggling financially, do not negate the tithe. Don't do it. Side note. If you're struggling with food issues, anorexia, bulimia, or the other side of the spectrum, gluttony, whatever you're struggling with, rejoice over it. Choose to rejoice over it. If you struggle with the plans of your life, you can put pieces together, but it seems like every piece you put into place, four more fall away. It seems like everything you try to do, nothing seems to fit properly. Choose to rejoice in the Lord. We bought my parents a puzzle for Christmas. My parents are starting to get old. They like to do puzzles in their spare time. I'm not there yet. Hope I never get there. I dislike puzzles. But we bought them this Disney puzzle. And it was, my parents got, my, my parents opened it up and opened the bag and put the puzzles pieces on the table. Started putting it together. Took them about a week, they said, to get it all put together. And they got it all put together. There are no more pieces on the table. No more pieces on the floor. There were two pieces missing out of the brand new puzzle. My parents weren't very happy. So, well, maybe the dogs ate it. No. Gone. Their puzzle can't be finished. They were upset. Times in life, it feels like our puzzle is incomplete. Feels like we're missing the piece. Just that one piece that would put me over the edge. Just that one moment that would put me over the edge. That would put me in a good place. In a happy place. You reason with God. God just give it to me. Just give me that one piece. I want to challenge you. Instead of pushing. Instead of shoving. Instead of doing whatever you've been doing the whole time. Stop. And rejoice in the Lord. Over that peace. Rejoice in the Lord over that moment. According to, to the Bible Hub's lexicon, the word rejoice means to go round about, be excited, or to spin and be wild before God. You may be facing things that seem like they will put you down for the count. Remember, the vision is for the appointed time. And the wait is worth it to see his glory. Though trials come, I will rejoice in the Lord. I want to jump back to the Israelites for a moment in Exodus 19. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by his voice. The children of Israel saw the power of God that moment. How would you like to wake up outside? There's mountains outside of your home. You wake up, they're covered in smoke and the whole thing's quaking. That may give me a little bit of terror in my heart. They come out and they see this mountain, the mountain of God covered in smoke. But I want to jump ahead a little bit to Exodus 32. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. They have turned, and this is God talking in verse 8, they have turned 
aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that has brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now these crazy bunch of Israelites, they just saw the power of God on the mountain. They just saw what God was capable of doing. And in the wait time, they got antsy. How many times in the wait have we gotten antsy before and tried to do our own thing? Can I remind you that the timing, the call of God without the timing of God results in the absence of God? And when we try to do stuff on our own, we open ourselves up for all kinds of craziness. We create an Ishmael when there should have been an Isaac. When you wait on God, there are some things around you that will fall off. Some people around you will fall off when you choose to truly wait. Some of the crowds you hang out with may fall by the wayside. They may choose to go on to the next best thing. When we were youth pastors, we had a youth group, 30, 40, 50 students. And all the, as we began to grow a little bit, the youth group began to get a little more shallow. And it became about the games we played on Wednesday night. And it became about the fun we had. Now listen, I love youth ministry, but I'm so glad I'm not a youth pastor anymore. I do not envy Pastor Jeremy at all. I told God, God, I would rather be an inch wide and a mile deep than a mile wide and an inch deep. And over the next about three months, we lost all but five students. And my pastor went, uh, what's going on? And I said, honestly, I told God I'd rather be an inch wide and a mile deep than a mile mile wide and an inch deep. He said, okay. And in that moment, I knew what God was doing. He was giving me the opportunity to pour into those around me, pour into those few students with everything that I had than to pour into 50 or 60 students a little here and a little there. And those five students still text us to this day. They still call us to this day. When they have a problem, they get a hold of us. Why? Because we poured into them. You see, there may be people around you that when you truly get in with God, may eventually fall off. But those that are around you are supposed to be there. They're supposed to be there. In Mark chapter 5, we find three miracles. One is the demon-possessed man. This dude has some problems. How many of you have some problems in life? I do. Kid one. No, just joking. This demon-possessed man eventually becomes an evangelist. Next, we are introduced to a man who's a ruler in the synagogue by the name of Jairus. And his little girl lies on the brink of death. And as Jesus is headed that way, he's surrounded by a crowd of people. They are tight-knit, man. They are in their clothes. I'm not talking like going to Walmart and feeling like it's crowded. I'm talking like Black Friday, Walmart, early in the morning. You're standing shoulder to shoulder, waiting on the coolest video game in the world. That kind of crowded. And if you've never been there... Get on YouTube. You'll find how crowded it was. I promise you. They were crowded in. They were rushed in. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, Oh, time out. Stop moving. I felt, I felt somebody touched me. Who touched me? His disciples say, Hey, hey. Now, this is the Zach version. This is not biblical. This is Zach's paraphrase of it. Listen, there are a lot of people. What do you mean, who touched me? Jesus said, no, no, no. 
I felt the power leave. I, I felt the power rush out of me. Who touched me? This certain woman was plagued by an incurable disease. She becomes, becomes desperate for a touch. She breaks the religious laws of the day for a touch of the master. You may be in a place today where you were not aware that you would meet Jesus here today. You may have been brought by a friend. You may have come into this place just because you were driving down the road and something told you to come in today. You may not have been aware you were going to meet Jesus today. But he's here. And you may be in a place today where you're overshadowed by your addiction or the things that have troubled you for years. Things that have held on to you so tightly in moments you thought you were free. But they've held their grasp onto your life. Today is your day to encounter the Savior. Mark chapter 5 reads like this. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him and always night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? See, this man had a problem. This was demon possession. I believe that that still happens today. But I also want to take it a step further. There was something going on in this man's life. Today, you may not be demon possessed. But you may have something that's got a hold on you so tight that it will not let you go. That it will not let you move. That it holds on to you and you try and get free. But every night you log on. Every night you pick up that phone. Every night you tie that tourniquet around your arm. You may be held on to something so tight that today the Savior comes to you. Today the Savior comes to you. He was not in his right mind. But I like what Mark 5.15 says. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed. And had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. You see, what I found is when you get in your right mind, when you get in that moment with Jesus and you two are flowing, that everybody who is just kind of there around you becomes a little more leery of you. Because what you may do, do may be out of normal. You see, I, I, every morning, one of the things I do is I wake up and I say, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. Whatever today you need me to do, I'm there. I've been right beside a gas station with my car on E. There are two kinds of people in the world. Your car gets to half a tank and you say, I need to fill up. Then there's the second kind of people. The car gets to E and you hit that button. 42 miles, destination to empty. I'm good. And you put that bad boy and you drive and you go. Two kinds of people in the world. I'll be honest, I'm number two. Car's got 35 miles, I'm good. I'll make it. Now, it has bitten me a time or two. Because I didn't heed the warning of that little orange light that pops up on the gas gauge. It has, I promise. But I've been right beside a gas station and that little orange light on. And uh, 
God said, hmm, I want you to go to the shell down the road. I'm literally right here, God. Got gas, I'm good. No, go, go down the road. I go down the road, put my car in park, pump my gas, go in. And there's a man standing there. You can tell he's just down. And I'm one of those people, I've always got a smile on my face. Hey, man, everything all right? No. And he tells me a story and I get to pray with him. Those are the moments that I love. Those are the moments that I love. Standing in line at the checkout. I'm one of those people that I would prefer to use click lists from Kroger or home delivery or whatever, where I pull up, they bring it out to my car. I'm going home. However, I do not like Walmart. I avoid Walmart at all costs. I prefer to shop at Meijer. I do not like Walmart. I just, I call it the death store. I feel like it's a portal to hell. You open the door and it is, you feel the heat. I don't like it. But one day my wife said, let's go to Walmart. And I love my wife and I listened to my wife. So we went to Walmart. And I'm walking in the candy aisle. And as I'm walking in the candy aisle, this young lady sitting there putting stuff away. And she was sitting down, which was a little weird. Like she was sitting on the boxes of stuff she was putting away. I turned around and we're just talking, my wife and I. And she said, hey, did I hear you say you're a pastor? No. <laughs> I didn't say that. But I am. She said, can you pray for me? Absolutely. Absolutely. She'd been sick for weeks. And I got to pray with her. Because I listened to my wife and I went to the death store. <laughs> now the Holy Spirit spoke to my wife and said, you need to go there. You see, there are times in our life when God tells us to do something. It may seem a little out of normal. Out of normal. But when we do things that are out of normal... We've learned to listen to the Holy Spirit. We've learned to listen to what he says to do. Not what I want to do. Because what I want to do is avoid Walmart. <laughs> avoid it. At all costs. I want you to know that today, beyond Walmart, you're going to encounter the Savior. You're going to encounter the one who gives you sound mind. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear to who we are, fear to what's going on. Fear is false evidence appearing real. It may seem real. This morning about mm, 4.35 o'clock, we hear big bangs outside of our house. Now I live in town. Now, I've got about an acre, but I live in town and, and uh, what Yorktown considers town. And I don't I live in a pretty quiet neighborhood. So I go to the bathroom window, which allows me to see in my backyard. And I kind of pop the shade open and I look out and I don't see anything. I go to the front door. I don't see anything. So as we continue to get ready in the morning, I kind of pop the bathroom shade up. It's a little lighter outside. And every one of my fence has blown over. And I heard the fence cracking in the middle of the night. It's okay, it needed replaced anyway. I just wasn't planning on doing it. The fear this morning went, -dum, ba -dum, ba -dum. what is that? God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He gives us one of power, and love and a sound mind. 
this certain woman that we see in Mark 5 was desperate at her moment. She had given all she had. She was unclean and not allowed to be out there without an announcement. She had to tell everybody, hey, I'm unclean. Uh-uh, you ain't touching me. I'm unclean. But she pushes through the crowd with determination. If she can just touch him. Some of you today are here and you have exhausted all efforts. You've gone to every doctor you can think of. You've gone to every holistic medicine. You've gone to everything you can think of to figure out what's wrong. You've spent all the money. Today is your day to reach out and touch. Today is the day to be, be completely healed. This leader of the synagogue, Jairus, he was on his last moment. His daughter was laying on her deathbed. And Jesus stops this crowd and says, who touched me? Who touched me? If I was Jairus, I'd have been itching to get back home. See, my, my, my kids just had tubes in their ears this week. And I had to go Saturday and, and run some errands. And I was itching to get back home on Saturday to make sure my kids were still okay. I couldn't imagine my child being on a deathbed and me going to this Jesus, this person who's supposed to be this greatest man alive, and me going and, and we're walking along and we're headed back to my house and all of a sudden he stops. Whoa, hey, come on, let's go. Come on, Jesus, let's go, let's do this. My daughter is sick, she, she's on her deathbed, come on. But Jairus didn't do that. The Bible doesn't say he did. I, I, I like what the next few verses say in Mark 5. While he was still speaking. Now this is right after Jesus had healed the woman with the issue of blood. Some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. I'm going to keep reading for a second. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. He came in and he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him. And he entered where the child was lying. And he took the child by the hand and said, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. You may have something in your life today that you think is dead or on the brink of death, a dream, a plan, a hope, something that today you feel like may be on the brink. I believe that this miracle shows that the crowd of those around you may not see the point of you waiting. They may not see the point of you waiting. Jairus should have been home. But he waited and he watched what Jesus did. He waited and he watched. He saw the miracle. The lady healed that had the issue of blood. He saw it. 
He watched what Jesus was capable of doing. This father had lost his only daughter, yet he remained because he knew the best was yet to come. The family had gathered. They'd been called together. Sister Susie brought the casseroles. Brother Sam led the family in prayer. They were crying. They were weeping. And Jesus steps on. They were ready to put this girl in the ground. And Jesus steps on the scene. You see, there's a song by Karen Wheaton. I don't know if you know who Karen Wheaton is. I enjoy her music. And there's one of her songs she sings. And the the title of the song is There's a Promise Coming Down That Dusty Road. You see, when you may feel like there is nothing else going to save this moment, Jesus steps on the scene. There's a promise coming down the road. The promise is him. He carries life inside of him. Jesus steps on the scene and questions them. Why are you making all this commotion? How many of you have ever unfortunately been to a funeral before? They're not fun. Not by any stretch of the word are they fun. (laughs) These people were prepared to have this funeral for this little girl. Could you imagine the preacher walking into the funeral and said, Why are you all crying? They're not dead, they're just asleep. Huh? What do you mean? That's not normal. That's not normal. There was a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. I love to read about him. That dude, he was connected to Jesus. He, took his, he was walking down the streets of San Francisco. Balled up his hand and went, pow, right in some dude's stomach. That'd get you arrested today. Man was healed of stomach cancer. He walked into a funeral. Grabbed the body out of the casket and threw it against the wall. (laughs) Person lived. Crazy. When God tells you to do something, it may be out of the normal. But I found when God says to do it, he always follows through. So when he tells you there may be no cattle in the barn... When he tells you there may be no olives crop, there may be nothing going on, there may be not enough money to get you to the end of the month, rejoice in the Lord. Because there's an appointed time that's coming. And if you wait, you're going to see his glory. You're going to see what he's capable of doing. When all else fails, when nothing else looks pretty, he's capable of doing it. They may question the validity of Jesus because he doesn't operate in our normal. Our normal tells us in death to weep and prepare. And the crowd scoffs when Jesus says she's just sleeping. But Jesus sends them all away. Be gone. That's imagine in my mind. Be gone. He sends them all away. And he takes the mother and the father and his three followers. And they step into that room. See, sometimes you have to get rid of the crowd and get alone with Jesus. God gave me a word a couple weeks ago. He said, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we try to push when we're not supposed to push. Sometimes we try to shove when we're not supposed to shove. Sometimes we run when we're not supposed to run. But then in those moments, we're supposed to be still and know that he is God. Can I have the worship team come back up, please?
today God has brought me here to prophesy to the dead and the dry. Those who need deliverance. Those who are here waiting. Your time is coming and has now come. You have held the vision though the barns stay empty. You have held the vision and you have rejoiced for what seemed like forever. Today I've come to tell you, Jesus has come to the place of the supernatural. Where his super meets your natural. Where heaven meets earth. Luke 19, 5. And when Jesus had come to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. Today I must stay at your house. Jesus had come to the place. A predestined time for Zacchaeus' life to be changed. Curiosity from Zacchaeus and Jesus changed Zacchaeus' life. So today, you may be a little curious of this Jesus. You may be a little curious of what he can do in my life. You know, I've heard about him my whole life. I've been in church most of my life. But let me tell you something. There's a difference between curiosity and actually meeting him. There's a difference between knowing him and knowing him. The vision is for an appointed time. It's worth the wait for his glory. God has laid before us today a choice to wait on him or to choose me. To trust him or trust ourselves. We are all traveling this journey of life. However, on this life, we all come in contact with a place in time where we have been in need. We have lost pieces that we thought we needed. We had no finances or we weren't sure where our next meal was going to come from or we struggled with self-image because we forgot whose we are. Today you may be struggling with addiction to a multitude of things. You may be struggling with how you fit into the call of God. Today you may have exhausted all efforts Today, death may be on the horizon. Your dream may seem dead. The plan you had for your life may seem dead. But today, I've come to bring you the gift of life. I've come to bring you the healer. I've come to bring to you the Savior. I've come to bring to you hope. I've come to bring to you the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was here before you ever drove on that driveway. He was here before the lights were turned on. He was here before the schedule heat kicked on. He was here for you today in this moment. Will you bow your head and pray with me? If you are in this room today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you do not know him as your Lord and Savior, or you've known him in the past and you've walked away and you've tried to go your own way, if that's you, will you just lift up your hand? If you're in this room today and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, or you're in this room today and you've walked away from him, if that's you, will you slip up your hand? Thank you. I see your hand. If you're in this room today and you've exhausted all efforts, you need a healing touch from him. You need need him just to touch you, whether it's emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever it is. This altar call is for you. 
If you're in this room today and the plans you have for your life have failed, death is on the horizon. Death is on the doorstep. And today, you need an encounter with Jesus. This altar call is for you. The worship team's begun again to sing and praise and worship. They're going to lead us in that. But if you raised your hand for salvation, if you need healing, or if you just need to encounter the Savior today, today is your day. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Move now. Jesus, we stand with us all across the house. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you so much this morning, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are our healer. You are our deliverer. You are the meaning, Lord, in our days. You are, God, everything we need. And God, I just pray, Lord, God, that the words we've heard today, God, would sink into our heart, Lord. That, God, at the appointed time, Lord, you come through for us. You are never early. You are never late. You are always right on time. And we give you praise. And we choose to rejoice, Lord God, in the goodness, God, that you have for us. God, I pray you would pour out your blessings, God, upon this congregation. Can we lift our hands one last time together to Jesus in unity all across the house as we lift our hands? Can we just begin to say, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the freedom to be in this house. Thank you for your words that we've heard spoken. Thank you for the songs. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for the prayers. Thank you for the message. Thank you, God, for what you've spoken. God, don't let me forget it. God, seal it on my mind and my heart today, God, to remember the things, God, you've put in my spirit today. God, I pray I would rejoice. Will you pray that with me? God, I pray I would rejoice in you this week. I pray, God, I would be strong in your presence. And no matter what I face, good or bad, you would put a song in my spirit, a song in my heart, and I would rejoice, God, in you. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you all praise. Everyone said together across the whole house, amen. Now, before you leave, I want to challenge you on something. I want you to find two or three people on your way out and with the biggest smile and with the most teeth you can show, I want you to say to two or three people, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Amen. God bless you.